Yes. I'm not gonna say it again. No, you, you can't have... trick me into saying the rude thing again. I don't need to trick you. I have the files. Forever young adults. At the podcast where we review books. Hello and welcome to Forever Young Adult. I'm Aoife. And I am Kira. And we're here to discuss a young adult book that one of us has read. Same as we do every fortnight. Pinky, try to take over the world. <laughs> <laughs> this episode, I have read the book. The book is Stir Fry by Emma Donoghue. And, and it's gay because it's June. And for June, we're being all LGBT pride. Yeah, this is a gay book. Do you want to know another super special thing about this book? Is it that the main character has a weird name? There is a thing that's true about this book that has not been true for a single other book I have read on the pod so far. There's no car crashes in it. (laughs) Lifetime first. (laughs) Lifetime first. No one gets hit by a car. None of it. There's no car crashes in this book. Is there a car in the book? There is one scene where the main character gets the train and then is picked up at the train station by her uncle in like I think a van. So it's a vehicle but it is not a car. I have questions about your definitions of vehicles versus cars versus buses. Oh you have got a point. (laughs) Well a bus is definitely a vehicle. And a van is definitely a vehicle, a car and a jeep. These are all vehicles. A train is not a vehicle. A train is a vehicle. A train is not a vehicle. So a train is a method of transport, but is not a vehicle. Yeah, like a boat. A boat is a vehicle. Okay. A plane is not a vehicle. Except if it's on the ground, I guess. What's a motorcycle? It's a vehicle. What about a push bike? It's a bike. I don't think it's a vehicle. Let's talk about the book. Yes. (laughs) Okay, so this book we are reading, the book that I have read, is called Stir Fry. It is by Emma Donoghue. She's an Irish author. Shout out. It was published in 1994, and not to put too fine a point on it, that's before I was born. It's also before um, being gay was legal in Ireland. Absolutely. It is a barely autobiographical book. I did a little bit of research on Emma Donoghue for it. Mm -hmm. She knew she wasn't straight. For a long time. And she was very certain about it. But she decided to write a character who was much more uncertain about okay. her life and stuff. So she did like the opposite of April Daniels. Because April Daniels was like, I didn't figure it out until I was older. So, But I made this younger character very sure. Yeah. And then Emma Donoghue was like, I am very sure now. But I will make her unsure. Yes. Okay, so Emma Donoghue published this book in 1994 when she was age 25. She then went on to publish one of my favourite books, which is We Are Michael Field, which is a biography of two Victorian playwrights who were also incestuous lovers and lesbians, and they met Yeats and they did not like him, and they converted to Catholicism because of their dog. Because of their dog? Yeah. I don't, I remember when you read this book because you sent me lots of screen grabs, I don't remember that bit. So Emma Donoghue, of course, has gone on to be a very, very famous writer. She wrote Room, which a lot of people will know. It was turned into a movie. And a play. 
She's written a lot of really interesting books, a lot of which she are has, based in the 1800s. She wrote The Sealed Letter, which is about a woman who was a suffragette um, and was blackmailed via sealed letter about the fact that she she gets caught in the middle of this couple's divorce and she may or may not have had sex with that, the lady involved and mm-hmm. there is a sealed letter that may or may not contain this information. I didn't read that one. It's real good. It's... She has written a lot of books and a lot of her books include lesbians. Yep. So, like I said, she published her first book in 93. She has lived in London, Ontario. That's in Canada since 1998 with her partner she has two kids and uh i'm jealous as all hell of her (laughs) so this book my first experience with this book was because my partner read it my Mm -hmm. partner works in an amnesty international bookshop so they get all sorts of really cool books through the door and i'm not even sure if this book is in print anymore this copy was published in 1995 it's based around a girl called Mariah who is 17 years old she's coming up to Dublin for college uh it's set in about 1989 Mm -hmm. she's studying in a university that's never named but is from context clues definitely UCD which was both my alma mater your alma mater and Emma Donahue's so got stuff in common mm -hmm. it's her life in her first semester of college essentially Like, the real emotional heart of this book is the relationship between her and her two housemates, Mm -hmm. who she moves in with after seeing an advert in the college that says, To Venus symbol, seek flatmate. Own room. Wow. No bigots. I would answer that ad. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Not just because there's a housing crisis. (laughs) It was all in red ink except the wow, which must have been scrawled on by a passerby. (laughs) So she answers this ad. She doesn't know what the Venus symbol is. She has to ask someone oh. what it is. And it means women. But um, they're also lesbians. Ooh. One of them is actually bisexual. Nice. And that is a nice thing I noted in this book. Is that there is a decent amount of bisexual representation. They also use the word asexual. So Go Emma Donahue. Yeah. Although it is in the context of a lesbian who thinks she's asexual before she realizes she's a lesbian this book is really immersive and really Mm -hmm. atmospheric you get to feel let me get an example quote safe on the top deck of the meandering bus to dunleary she let her shoulders uncurl shedding the weight of a long day 20 minutes of dream time now as floodlit city corners flared into black suburban avenues the knobbled branches of an overhanging horse chestnut tree crackled against the windows on and off pulling her back to consciousness glinting on the glass she could see the first spatter of rain it's it feels so much and this might be i would really like to hear from you how relatable is to you because that's just really like my first memory of moving up to dublin is like it's always dark (laughs) the streetlights are orange it's raining a lot of the time the buses the the water on the glass like it is all so familiar and it's really interesting to me because emma donahue when she's talking about this book notes that it's set in pre-boom ireland Mm -hmm. so i don't think that much has changed for students in Um... the 20 years 
I'm trying to think back to my first year of college in Dublin. And I was older than you. Yeah. Uh, when I moved up to Dublin. So I was already world weary. As I... As you are right now. As I am now. No? I don't remember, I don't remember Dublin being much darker. Mm-hmm. Um, it's colder. It is definitely colder in Dublin than, than down, down home. It's way warmer here than it is up in where I'm from. Okay, so that's a, it's a difference. strange thing for both of us. Yeah. Um, it rains more down home, so I'm colder but drier. <laughs> in Dublin? In Dublin. Am I going to the characters? Because like I said, there isn't a huge amount of plot in this book. It's just very much Mariah's first semester in college. What is she studying? She's studying art history and something else. It is not important what she's studying, <laughs> other than occasionally she has to like go to a lecture and take notes. So uh, she might mention that she has to like take down a sketch of like a Rococo. Like she has to take a lot of Pieta sketches of mm-hmm. like, you know, Mary holding Jesus as he's taken down from the cross, which is, uh, you know, the time that's in it, the country that's in it. Very cool. Mm-hmm. So she answers an advert asking for housemates. She goes to the address, which is 69 Bedlam Square. Nice. That's not a place that exists. <laughs> Emma Donahue invented it specially. Uh, 69, of course, has no meaning to anyone. But Bedlam <laughs> is also a word meaning chaos. So that's real fun. Nice chaos. Yeah. So it, it, we, we pick up when... It's been like a week or so into college. Mariah's like really isolated. She hasn't really been making friends with people. And she like notes that it would be so much easier if she could feel she was superior to all these people. But unfortunately, half of them are smarter than her and half of them are better looking. Which again, is my experience of like coming to college. You're like, it it would be so easy if I could feel like I'm like, I'm just leaning against the wall not getting involved because I'm cooler than you guys. But fuck everyone's hot and smart um my experience of being in college with you was that you were cool leaning against the wall and i was like damn you feel so cool (laughs) michelle keeps telling me that all of her friends want to know what i'm up to and if i want to hang out and i'm like we've met twice (laughs) (laughs) it's weird how people's self-image and their exterior image are different like i've got really good self-esteem but i don't think i'm cool (laughs) That's fair. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, it's been a few weeks. She's not really settling in. She feels like she's missed her window to make friends because they're, for the first, like, week or two, everyone was kind of, like, latching on to each other and making sure that they made friends. And she was kind of a little bit reserved during that process. So she's still kind of friends with a few people she chatted with at that time. But she hasn't... Made any strong bonds with anyone? No, not at all. So... She is living with her aunt, which is bad, which is why she comes to this flat. And then she meets Yale and Ruth, who are the two other main characters in this book. Ruth is about 24. Mm -hmm. She came to college as a mature student because she was a civil servant beforehand. Uh, She was very, like, in a stable job. This was, of course... 1989 when you could go straight from school into a stable lifelong job and her mother was a bit annoyed at her when she gave up that job to go back to college but Ruth is 
really into her activism she's really into feminism she's like really cool honestly and she is one of the girls living in this flat yeah. the other one is Yale she is 29 Ooh. she has big red hair she is from a horse farm in Kildare and she is really chaotic and loud and cool anyone who grew up on a horse farm is going to be chaotic yeah it's just a chaotic environment <laughs> the flat is the kind of place I don't have the exact Quote, but when Mariah's first there, she's like the elegant and the squalor, like meets in every corner. And it just is reminding me as well, very much of the flat we used to live in together, <laughs> where there's like beautiful Georgian ceiling with all the molded plaster around it. And then hanging from it is like a single bare light bulb. Yeah. And that is the kitchen. And over the cabinets is a bicycle wheel. Yeah. Just two bicycle wheels, no bike. So you don't have to pay insurance <laughs> on the vehicle. So a push bike is a vehicle. <laughs> a push bike isn't a vehicle. She meets these people and they're kind of her best friends and she feels a little bit out of place about the fact that they're really close to her and she's really close to them when like they, they're way older than her because she's 17 and she like wishes she had friends her own age and she kind of does. Like she hangs out with this girl called Yvonne a little bit. And there's a guy she meets at a phone box, because it's 1989, called Galway, who is from Brooklyn. Is he Amer- Brooklyn, America? Brooklyn, America. Let me tell you about my beautiful boy Galway. Is that birth name? Yeah. Okay, tell me about Galway. His grandmother person. was a postmaster in Uchtarard before she emigrated to New York. Uh, so he is from Brooklyn. And he is Irish-American and he was given that name and then his granny forced him to take a year abroad. So he's also probably a little bit older than Mariah because he's like probably in his third year or so. And he's just horrified by Irish society. He's like, why can't I ever like get with any Irish girls? And Mariah's like, oh, because we're all terrified of getting pregnant. (laughs) She's like, oh yeah, because we don't have any abortions or contraception, so... He's like, fuck. He's like, yeah, we also don't know how sex works because uh, we never covered that in school. And he's Sex like, ed is don't have it. And he's like, I wish I could go back to Brooklyn and just get mugged like a normal person. This is how. I can't get laid and I can't get mugged. What's even the point? A big thing that happens in this book is that Mariah's living with Yale and Ruth for a little while before she realizes they're a couple. Okay. Which is funny because it is a two bedroom flat and the other bedroom has a double bed in it. See, in today's housing environment, that is not a, that's not a giveaway. Actually, yeah, I have (laughs) shared a double bed with someone I was not at all (laughs) in any kind of a relationship with. But that was only for one summer, whereas these people have been living here for 18 months or so. That's true. So she moves in with them and she does not realise they're together. So how does she find out they're together? She sees them kissing. That would be a giveaway. And the thing is, she notes that like the kiss she sees is like just really like domestic domestic and subtle. And like they're at the kitchen table and she's like, oh my God, what do I do? So it's like their their kitchen has like a beaded curtain, which again, how can you not know they're gay? (laughs) 
So she like very carefully walks back towards the front door and then like clumps down the hallway. Fair warning, I am coming. <laughs> Please stop kissing so I don't have to acknowledge what I saw. So like I said at the beginning, Emma Donoghue was really certain about herself mm-hmm. being gay really early on. Whereas Mariah is not. Mariah's never even thought about it. She's 69 pages in now. Okay. And she she's just noticed that lesbians exist. And we've got a paragraph of her like in bed, just like reflecting on it. She concentrated on blacking out the tableau that was still flickering on the screen in her mind. The topic had come up before, of course. Girls joked about it all the time in convent school. There'd even been rumours about the gym teacher. At parties, they'd swapped Freudian theories and Nula had once claimed that she'd seen a French film with two women in bed in it. But it was never real. Now suddenly here were two friends of hers kissing. On the table she ate at every night. Wrapped faces and library books and garlic. How bizarre. For four entire weeks you had not copped on. But they're not being like... I am going to assume... Were they like... Expressly a couple? Like before she caught them kissing? Well... Like other than the fact that they are sharing a room. They were never... Overly romantic with with each other. But you're an Irish person, Kira. You've got a boyfriend. Yeah. You know Irish people aren't that... Coupley. Yeah, I did once describe that, like, I wanted people on the street to think my then partner and I were just good friends. (laughs) (laughs) Like, you know how it is. Like, if you're hanging out with an Irish couple, the general thing is you know that they like each other because they're a little bit more mean to each other than they are to the rest of their friends. That is true. The Irish uh, really need to learn how to communicate better. (laughs) Yeah, there's no, like, intimacy. Like, they're not touchy-feely but they're also not not because like it's been like a really intimate like trio in their in their house so like that's part of what throws mariah off is that she but i am also included in this intimacy yeah she's like we were all friends together and now you guys are kissing and that means it's possible for women to kiss and it just it's the shocking revelation that it can happen in real life Um, And it throws her off and she thinks about it obsessively for weeks. So is there any ladies that she wants to kiss now that the concept has been brought to her attention? No, because she doesn't have any friends. (laughs) So she has one female friend called Yvonne Mm -hmm. and she tells Yvonne about it and Yvonne's immediately like, oh my God, you have to leave. Like they lured you there under false pretenses. Like, what are you going to do? Can you sue them? Like, are you going to move back in with your aunt? This is insane. And Mariah's kind of like, no, they're like normal people. Like, like Ruth is a bit feminist but like, their hair is normal length. <laughs> like, uh, you know, they, they talk about not wanting to shave their legs, I guess. But other than that, they're, they're women just like you and I. They're normal, yeah. <laughs> There's that whole conflict happens in this book where Yvonne definitely represents like the kind of traditional femininity friends and she's does not understand the idea of these women being together and then also being people they can't be both things they can't be both things and mariah also struggles with it where she like spends more and more time 
with these two other queer women and she like for example she starts wearing Doc Martens at a certain point she starts feeling really uncomfortable with how her hair looks so she gets a buzz cut oh wow yeah um She's from the country. She's from the countryside. Does she yeah. have to go back home after she gets a buzz cut? She and only do goes, we see that? She only goes home like twice. Okay. In this, in this entire book. So this book covers from the start of the term to the end of the Christmas holidays, kind of the new year. Okay. So she goes home once um, and she brings Yvonne with her on a trip down home and she feels really awkward and out of place because she's like, oh my God. I have changed as a being. I, I have, have changed so as a more... being. And also my D4 friend is here and everything seems so awful and twee. And like people cluck over her hair, but like it's gotten fluffy by that point. Her mother's just kind of like, oh, it's youthful high spirits. I think all young girls when they're 17, they're all feministy and they, they all... They all have all these opinions, but you know, by the time you're 20, you just want someone to cook dinner for and to be arranging curtains and things. And like, why is, why is Mariah's mother coming for me like this? (laughs) (laughs) Like you can be both queer and want to arrange (laughs) curtains. Um, I also am very gay and want, want someone to make dinner for. It's fine. It's allowed. I show love through cooking. (laughs) But Mariah feels really uncomfortable about it. She also feels uncomfortable because her mom is on the phone to like an aunt or something. And she, it's implied that her cousin is getting an abortion actually. Because she's like, oh now, and how is she? Oh, I suppose it's for the best. So what did she do without, it? you know, she wouldn't, she wouldn't be able to look after it. It's fine. Oh, Mariah's great. Yeah, Mariah's great. Ah, uh, no sign of lads yet. No, no, she's not. Ah, uh, she's. Wouldn't say any names to me, but sure, the laddie books will wait. The laddie books. The laddie books will wait. Well, Irish society has uh, not changed. <laughs> Her family, like, owns a shop, like, mm-hmm. in a village, and it's very rural. Again, this book just came for me. <laughs> she's living in Dublin, and she has only been there a few weeks and she's like I like my accent's already fading like I'm just wondering all of the time at what point in this parade of years will I become just another rootless stranger in this city with no home to go back to and like no base and like she's losing that security of home okay but when she goes back up to the countryside She also doesn't feel at home there and she wants to go back home up to Dublin. So her home has become these two women and this flat they share and she feels uncomfortable about that and she doesn't know why but she also doesn't feel uncomfortable about it because it suits her really well. And I think it just has, again, a really interesting element of the queer experience. It is very queer to meet other queer people and then be like oh this is a sensation or a friendship or a closeness that i was missing before Mm -hmm. and creating your own second family from that which Mm. makes it then like a little weird when you go home to your fam do you want to know what also is very weird what she keeps walking in on yale and ruth from this point onwards Stop! Stop walking in on your friends kissing! Oh, they're doing more than that. Please don't 
things outside of your bedroom. <laughs> yeah. They have an open fire, though. So I think that's what's happening, is that they're like, oh, well, we'll, we'll make love in front of the we'll fire. S- you have a roommate who yeah. is a child, and you need to do it in the bedroom. Yeah. Yeah, they do. <laughs> oh, dear. And then she gets a compact crush on a boy in her class called Damien. There's no characters in this book. It's just Yale, Ruth, Mariah, and then occasionally Yvonne Galway and Damien dip in. So right. Damien is that shithead in your in your philosophy lecture. Okay. So he has a plat that is really long and he has debates with the tutor while everyone else is just trying to hide the fact that they haven't done the reading and he's kind of really patronizing and obnoxious and he wears like a leather coat. And our girl has a crush on him. And our girl has a crush on him. Intelligence can be attractive, I guess. Yeah. Doing the readings, that's actually very attractive. It was only three days ago that she'd noticed Damien at all. As he knotted himself into an argument about the aesthetic theory with the tutor, she sat back and stared. When the hour was up, he shoved his books into the battered briefcase he carried and stalked off through the crowded corridor, eyes on his feet. She always kept an eye out for his lank, plat lectures after that. He never stooped to taking notes. Beside a swarm of girls transcribing all the lecturers' mediocrities, he sat like Julius Caesar. Okay, um, he has a briefcase, which I hate, but I'm going to allow because it's the 80s. Mm -hmm. I really hate that description for his plat. Yeah. And that's all I have to say about uh, Damien. I feel like I feel like you set him up to be bad. That was his first description. This is how Mariah sees him. Yeah, but you started by being like he's an asshole. So well, he's not really. He's just very accurately described as exactly the kind of person that we've all met at least once. <laughs> like you know this dude, right? <laughs> there's there's dozens of him in the world. Yeah, yeah, no. There is always a Damien. There is always a Damien. She develops this crush around the same time as she finds her housemates kissing, interestingly. Um, okay, is it reactionary? Is she like, ooh, I'm thinking about girls all the time. I must find a boy to have a crush on. Well, or is it like a genuine crush? Well, technically, I think she notices him a few days before. Okay. But she just keeps feeling like weighed down as if someone was crouching on her rib cage whenever she thinks about her housemates kissing she so it gives her anxiety it gives her anxiety and it makes her just very uncomfortable certain phrases soothed her she found as she lay there trying to formulate a policy consenting adults that was a steadying one along with nobody's business but their own Different strokes, she thought, and then rejected it as too vivid an image. (laughs) Emma Donahue knows what she's doing. (laughs) Yeah. She's really conflicted and she feels so uncomfortable about them. Does she talk to them about us? She does not, but... At all? At a certain point, Ruth is like, by the way... We've been meaning to tell you we're like a thing, by the way. Me and Yale, we've been together for 18 months now. And Mariah's like, I did notice. 
<laughs> I had worked it out because I'm a lady of the world. Yeah, and I definitely didn't walk on you guys uh, kissing the one time and also like um maybe more than that. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I just flicked to another page and it's another example of her walking in on them having sex and like backing out and having a panic about it. She's just real funny and stupid. If I walked in on my housemates having sex in a communal area. I would not back down. I would be like, we're watching TV. We are. <laughs> How's everyone's day? They can be shamed. So Mariah does get to know Damien. And the really fun thing that happens is as she gets to know Damien, she likes him less. And she's like... Occasionally she looks at him and she's like, ah, oh, my daydream version of Damien would never do this. <laughs> the, the imaginary person that I have put over your being. Do you want to hear another choice quote about who the exact kind of person Damien is? Go for it. Swinging his heavy plat off his shoulder, he launched into an analysis of all the repressive politics of college architecture, how the theatres encouraged intellectual dictatorship, how the only central point for student demonstrations was the bottom of the lake. So it's, yeah, it's great. Uh, she makes friends with Damien um, after kind of stalking him for a little while. She's like, uh, no Relatable. one ever notices me. What? Relatable. Did you stalk someone? You stalked me. That's yeah. true. I mean, you were just in the cafe that I also went to a lot. And then I'd be like, hey, want to have tea? And we always both wanted to have tea. I didn't like follow you there. No, true. And I, I've made a lot of friends in that cafe. It's a good place. For... It is a place where you get tea very cheap on campus. This is an odd episode. It I'm is. enjoying it though. It is really hard for me to talk about this book objectively because reading it, I'm just, I keep recognizing bits of my own life. <laughs> I mean, it is a book about a woman coming from the country to the big smoke of Dublin and then going to UCD and doing an arts degree, which is your life? Yeah, that's my life. That's what you did. When Mariah is finally like in on the fact that they are together, they they explain it to her like we need someone to like absorb the excess the excess energy or we'd just be fighting all the time it's like how a circuit has three parts she's the ground wire so their relationship needs a third yes yeah that's it's... uncomfortable for the third she kisses damien yeah saw that coming how does that go is it all sparks sparks and fireworks when she kisses this boy damien Shockingly, it isn't. Oh, is it because he's not like the imaginary Damien that she believes to exist in her head? Do we get an overly detailed description of the kiss? We absolutely do. Gross. Let's be having it. She put her head back to ask Damien and found his mouth on hers. It seemed impolite to twitch away. He tasted of smoke, oddly savoury. Is that her first shift? I'm not sure. But do you want to know? Do you want to hear more description? No. Come on. His tongue in her mouth uh, no. was harmless. Thick. That came of talking too much, she decided. The dark curls of his beard were warm against her chin. All the way home on the bus, she kept her eyes shut and her sense of disbelief switched off, holding on to the warmth. So she likes the warmth of him, but not the kiss of him? She was just like, it's nice to be wanted. 
Oh, okay. The warmth of want. Because she feels like indifferent to a lot of things. And she's a little bit of a wallflower and she's never really involved in things. And she wants to be throwing herself into things and experiencing all these wild college stuff. But she can't quite get into it. And she remembers, I think, her great aunt was a primary school teacher. Mm -hmm. And she used to, on cold mornings when she was walking to work, she would hold a baked potato in her pocket to keep her hand warm so that when she got in, she'd be able to write on the board. And Mariah is like reflecting on this story that she knows. And she's like, in reality, that potato probably made no difference at all. But it's just really nice to have something warm to hold on to. Like, where's my something warm to hold on to? Does she... She described anxiety earlier. Does she have a tad of the depression? I was kind of thinking. It doesn't come off as like... It's shyness. It's a little bit of her personality because she's just a quiet-ish person. And she is after coming up from a place where she knows literally everyone to a place where she knows literally no one. And she is just, I think, yearning for connection. And she really wants both to be like bowled over with an intense emotion and it doesn't have to be good it can be something bad it just needs to be intense Mm -hmm. and she also wants something warm to hold on to so she wants a partner or a relationship but her solid base is these two people who are already a couple and once it's like clear that they're a couple she feels a little bit out of place with their being the dynamic kind of shifts a little yeah because she's like these are still Like, she describes them as her housemates, not really her friends, but they are the most important people to her. Yale, not so much, but her and Ruth, Ruth is the younger one, like, Ruth is teaching her to cook, and they, like, go to women's evenings and stuff together. The conclusion of the Damien thing is that he disappears for a little while, So she goes to ask a French tutor who she knows she's friends with because she used to stalk him and she saw them playing pool together all the time. Cool, cool. She's like, "Uh, I'm just a friend of Damien's wondering, um, do you know... Where's he at? And this guy, Philippe, is like, oh, I I think he's uh, still in London. Like, he's coming back later in the week. And she's like, okay, cool. Was he in... Why was he in London? She does not know. And he did not tell her... He was going... After they, like, shift, she's like, oh, God, I'll, I'll have missed my last bus. And mm-hmm. he's like, oh, well, you know, I've got rooms nearby. And she's like, no. No, 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 no. So then he doesn't tell her that he's going to London. So we've already had one implied abortion. Yeah. Is this another implied abortion? No. <laughs> but what happens... Just assume anytime someone in Ireland goes to London. It's for an abortion. London or Liverpool, man. That, you know what? We can say that. There's nothing in the text to contradict that. Except later on, she is talking to her housemates and she's like, yeah, it really sucks. Like, I was kind of into this guy and, like, I kissed him and he, like, fucked off for a week without telling me. And Yale's like, are we ever going to get a name for this guy? And she's like, yeah, it's Damien. And Yale's like, oh, he isn't, like, a big lad with a plat, is he? And Mariah's like, yeah, he is. Yeah? And Yale's like, yeah, I I know him from the queer scene. Like, he's had this on and off thing with a tutor called Philippe for most of the last semester. Ah. And Mariah's like, well, fuck. And Yale's like, but he could be bi. Like, I'm bi. He could be bi. Well, he's still messing around with multiple people. Yeah, and Mariah's like, he could be the Queen of France for all I care. 
It's over. We're done with him. Mm. So I like that she appreciates communication from her would-be partners. And she's just, she gets so frustrated about this that she ends up joining the panto. Because it's like late November at this point. And she's like, I don't have any friends. I hang out, I hung out with this guy. I thought it was going somewhere. He's in with someone else. Everyone I know is gay. I'm going to join the drama society. Uh, Well known. I can't even phrase it. <laughs> Heterolocation. A well-known source of straight people is drama society. Oh yeah, the theater. The theater is full of hats. And I'm just loving this image of this girl, seventeen. She's got a buzz cut. She keeps borrowing her her housemate's hat, and um, oh, she is wearing docks and she's getting involved in the drama society and she doesn't know that she's gay yet. So how does she find out that she could be gay? Honestly, it's real fun because she keeps doing gay stuff without realizing it. We are hitting up so many stereotypes today. Mm -hmm. Tangent, Ruth does debating. She has to debate the topic. This house believes homosexuality is a blot on the Irish nation. And she has to support that. She has to debate against it. But at some point, a guy from the audience who was described as being from Cork says, uh, on a point of order, you're an abomination to God. Amazing. Which is kind of funny, but also really terrible. It's really terrible because as you are associating super strong with your time in UCD, um, I am remembering part of my time in UCD, which was going to debates about whether or not we should have legal like recognition to our marriages. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was said. Mm. <laughs> but because they're like closer, she's closer with her two housemates now, particularly with Ruth. Uh, she starts to get a little bit more insight in on their relationship and there's fractures there. Ooh. Like... Ruth is just like, well, Yale is so charismatic and she's so chaotic and like she's so bright and people like are drawn, are drawn to, to her. her and I'm so boring. And Mariah's like, why doesn't Yale ever do any cleaning or cooking around here? And Ruth's like, you know, she's not, she won't. So like if I ask her, she'll, she'll leave me. So I, That is not a good power dynamic. Yeah, and she's like, you know, it's really obvious that like I love her more than she loves me. So... But Ruth is like, no, it's actually fine because I actually do way less cooking and cleaning since you moved in, Raya. Because you you do a lot of it now, so it's fine. That's not and a functioning partnership. No, it's not. And Ruth is like, I'm really boring, so like no one else would have me. And Mariah's like, you're not boring. The room is warmer when you're in it. That is the sweetest thing to say. And also, Ruth does lots of cool things. She does the women's group. Yeah. And she does debating. She goes out to graffiti on misogynistic billboards. She cooks. She cooks. And she teaches Mariah how to make stuffed peppers. That is super gay. It's really, really good and gay. (laughs) Do you want to hear about another extremely gay thing that Mariah does without realizing she's gay. I always want to hear about gay things. I think you might not want to hear about this one. Mm. She goes to a Christmas party and she comes home and Yale and Ruth are out at another party. So she like tries to sleep and she can't sleep. So she makes hot chocolate and then she 
she goes into their bedroom and she like wanders around it we get all these like really rich descriptions of all the different furniture and stuff and she opens their wardrobe and is the really gay thing that's happening the invasion of privacy it is okay and it gets worse um so she's she's just kind of skimming her hands over the wardrobe and like all of the the stuff in it and she like she is drunk but she crawls into their wardrobe and like just crouches or sits there like in the bottom and she just like breathes in like the smell of the clothes and like she's like shuts her eyes and like tries to identify like the clothes from things she's her she's seen them wearing by like feeling them and being like yes 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 like that's that's Yale's jacket that's Ruth's dress and um she touches herself and they curled up in the bottom of their wardrobe and uh it's implied to be a thing she doesn't do very much because she's like for the first time in as long as she can remember she she starts masturbating in their wardrobe i am very upset i'm upset by the invasion of privacy of having someone in your bedroom i am upset that she touched all their stuff i am so upset that she masturbated in their wardrobe. That's the line I draw. I I think that's a good line to draw. I'm also not very comfortable with this at all. <laughs> it's real bad. Yeah, that really screams a lot about their like weird, what's the word I'm looking for? I mean, dynamic works. Yeah. Or the tensions that the, exist between them. Yeah, the dynamics between them, which are pulling in weird ways and are not equal. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And... So she doesn't get to, like, finish, if that helps. There was a small familiar sound, like a bird pecking at a tree, the sound of the key in the front door. And she runs away. So Mariah starts praying to the... Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was said that anyone who fled to thy protection implored thy help or sought thy intercession. And then she... Then they walk past the door to their bedroom, down to the kitchen. She's like, oh, fuck fuck good and then she like manages to dash out and into her room and then come out normally (laughs) and it's like hey i am distressed but uh there's no like follow-up on that (laughs) cool 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 very cool Mm. and then it is the culmination of the novel (laughs) i guess tell me about her coming to her gayization so they have a kind of pre-Christmas party at the flat mm-hmm. on the 23rd and it goes on like... Into all, the 24th? Into 5am. So they have a skylight. You can access this, the skylight. You can go onto the roof. So they're going to go up the steps. So Yale goes up first and then like I think... I think it might even just be that Ruth is throwing something on the fire. So Mariah goes up after Yale and Yale like holds a thing of holly above her and she's like, what are you doing? And Yale's like, there's no mistletoe. And she kisses her and like Ruth pops her head up the skylight and just goes, oh, sorry, and goes back down. (laughs) And Yale like immediately like follows her down and Mariah just stays there on the roof for like two hours, like staring off into the space like fuck I have a lot of feelings about this and 
all of them are anger at Yale. Yeah. Um, for not being a good partner mm-hmm. throughout the whole novel, and also shifting her housemate. Like, 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 so close to her partner. Twelve years younger than her as well. Yeah, why do we have such a problem in our community of, like, older gays being shifting the younger ones? Stop that. Yeah, it's not great. Uh, So, um, yeah, she... She goes down the skylight eventually and she's just like, okay, I'm just gonna get the seven o'clock train. I'm gonna go up home it's fine it's whatever and i don't like that like her first kiss with a lady is non-consensual it's not good and she's up home for christmas and it really sucks and she's just she she plays the perfect daughter and feels really uncomfortable the whole time and she gets letters from yale and ruth because it is 89 Ruth sends her like a quite a long letter and it's like um I'm too emotional to have this conversation like face to face um I always thought if it's like a stir fry she says Mm -hmm. which is what the title comes from I thought you could chop up lots of little vegetables and mix them all in and raise the heat and they all make each other taste better it never occurred to me that ginger and fennel might clash I always thought that among women possessiveness and jealousy didn't need to exist that women could sort of share themselves out and to use my awkward analogy make each other taste better like for example a flat with three friends two of whom happen to be lovers but I'm a little bit naive so she's like I I I really mind actually like I I can't I can't share my girlfriend yeah and um she just says will you be coming back to the flat it's entirely up to you I'm just so tired I couldn't give a shit and Yale's letter is apologies for ungentlemanlike behavior stop have learned how to make baked Alaska stop get your ass back here stop Shay it is one sheet of paper folded in half stapled and a a guess for it not it it's efficient yeah is there a redeeming quality to Yale throughout the story that I'm missing she is self-aware so Mm -hmm. she's this chaotic fickle and like caustic um but self-aware about it and never Mm -hmm. pretends to be anything that she isn't so like she's not willing to change for her relationship with ruth but like she's not asking ruth to change okay it's just that ruth is bending herself into awful shapes to to facilitate yeah okay so and she goes back up for New Year's Eve. She's intending to go out with Yvonne, but she ends up going to the flat just to get like a dress. And mm-hmm. like both the girls are there and they have like one last evening together. Yeah. So the thing is that when Ruth was like, do you want to stay? Mm-hmm. What she meant was, do you want to be with Yale? Okay. And I will leave and you give you two space. Whereas Mariah thought it was, I, I'm still willing to live with you, even with this weird thing happening. Ah. So. So that, so that was also my interpretation of the phrasing. Yeah. So, uh, so there's. Wh- what was, what was, I know you're going to tell me this anyway, but my question. What was Ruth's plan 
if Mariah came back and was like, I want to stay, but I don't want to be with Yale. I don't think that was an option she considered. Because there's also a bit earlier in the book where, like, she and Mariah are just, like, hanging out and... Ruth is just like, do you ever have a feeling that, like, you're afraid something will happen, but if you mention it, it'll just happen quicker? See, the whole book, the whole, like, book long, I thought that it was going to be Ruth and Mariah that did the shifty, shifty. Um, and I'm, and I'm like, I would not be happy with that if it was, like, the similar circumstances, but I did think that, like, Ruth was going to have a conversation with Yale and Yale would either be like cool with it or they would like break up because Yale isn't capable of like making the sacrifices that she needs to make in order for like this relationship to Mm -hmm. work properly and then Ruth and Mariah would get together but that doesn't seem to be where this is going. (laughs) No so yeah it's it's real dumb. Like, Yale has been kind of flirting with her, with Mariah, but she's just a flirty person. Like, I wouldn't read anything into it if I had a friend who was exactly like Yale and she was flirting with me. Like, she, it's just being, you know, Yale. people are like that, you know? Yeah. Like, but Mariah was like, a room gets warmer when you walk into it to Ruth. That's a flirt line. Yeah. So, eventually... Mariah's like, wait, what is happening? Because Ruth is gone. And Yale is like, I want you. You want me too. And Mariah's like, I don't trust you as far as I can throw you, which isn't very far. I couldn't care less whether I turn out to be a lesbian or whatever. I just want don't want to go to bed with you. This isn't the right mountain for me to jump off. And Yale's like, I don't believe that you don't feel anything for me. And Mariah's like, fine, I do want you. Quite a lot, but it's not enough. At this point, it's between Yale, like the least emotionally competent person in the world, and Mariah, where she's like, Ruth knows she can't do the open relationship thing, so she was giving us space. And Mariah says, Have you never had a brain between the two of you? I didn't mean I wanted to stay and replace her. It won't hurt you to wash your own damn dishes for a while. How could she have thought that? I meant I wanted to stay in the flat with both of you. If I wouldn't be in the way. I may be only 17, but I can make up my own damn mind. Why didn't she ask me? Why didn't she stay? We are on the second last page. <laughs> Did we get an answer? So Yale's like, oh, fuck, I've been a gobshite, haven't I? Okay, what do you want to do? And Mariah's like, I want to find Ruth. Yale began speaking, then stopped herself. Realisation crept across her face. I see. God, I hadn't even thought of that. Of what? And then Mariah stopped because she knew. That makes sense of a lot of things. They looked at each other in bewilderment. It does, doesn't it? Mariah said mostly to herself. How come I never saw? Yale said, clearing her throat. Well, I, I didn't either till now. She'll be at her mother's, said Yale, automatically breaking the silence. Oh, I'll be off so, said Mariah slowly. Well, I'm glad that the book came to the realisation that I came to. An hour ago. (laughs) Yale is so self-centered that she's just like, oh, you could be crushing on my partner? Mind-blowing. Yeah, but she's also immediately like, listen, we'll go explain it to her and we'll see how it sorts out for you, okay? (laughs) I love it. (laughs) So she gets the bus 
out to the suburbs where Ruth is like with her fam and she keeps like running through all these situations in her head and she's like I can go to the door um and her mother answers and she sees my haircut and she won't let me in or I could go and Ruth is not there she's already like gone to Kerry or Scotland or Lesbos and she's like oh but what if I can't even find the house what if the bus doesn't actually go there running through all these things in the in her head and when she came to the house the porch light was on and it was Ruth who opened the door well that's lovely I'm glad that her anxiety spirals don't don't prevent her yes. from, from from looking for her love. I don't know why I did a run-through of that book because it's not a good book to do a run-through of. I just want to discuss it. Well, do you have anything else to say now that you've given us the whole story? Yes, I, I just love it a lot. Like, I feel a thing that people think is that people think that it's changed a lot to be gay recently. People mm-hmm. think that, oh, we have rights now. We're all out free in the open. Everything's fine. Very little has changed. Like, queer people remain similar. Queer communities remain similar. Societal attitudes to queer people remain similar. It's just that if we're allowed, we get a bit more rights. And that does mean, like, things are less stressful. People have more stability in their lives. Obviously, I'm not saying those are nothing. But it's just really eye-opening for me to read a book that is set 30 years ago now. And there's very little difference in the experience of this person realising that she is queer than I did, like, 25 years after that. Like... Yeah. And, like, part of the part of the queer experience that that always gets me is the fact that it... Homophobia and transphobia are systematic mm-hmm. in the same way that, like, racism is systematic. But for the most part, if you come up in a racist system, your family understands. Your family are the same race as you. They yeah. are also They also have experienced the same racism and the same like systematic disadvantages that you were experiencing and therefore can empathize with you <sighs> whereas for lgbt people you have to get to a certain point in your life so that you can find other lgbt people so that you can then find anyone who can empathize with you the way you like need because even if your family is really supportive there is a bit that they just don't get i really particularly if they if you have a family that doesn't experience other kinds of systematic discrimination this is really reflective of something that i ended up doing as part of my thesis that i didn't think was going to be a theme so my thesis was on family intentions of young lgbtq plus people in ireland but what ended up it ended up being a lot about identity development because the people I was interviewing kept talking about the first time they found the community and how that changed their entire perspective. And it's like when Mariah realises that a person can be gay. She'd heard people in school 
say that they'd once seen a movie where two women were in bed together, but she but saw someone in real life in the room that she is in sometimes. The, the theory versus the practicality. Yeah, and it yeah. just upends her whole world to think that two real people can be gay and it does radically change how you see the world and then how you see yourself because she couldn't see herself as gay if she couldn't see that gay people could exist in the world there's a bit earlier on that I didn't really touch on is she she has a very common experience of young lesbians I find and you can tell let me know if it's similar to to being bi at all but I think it's one of those things that lesbians and asexual women might share more because she's talking with Yvonne about like the men in the club and which one they're into and Mariah keeps being like nah and Yvonne's like you're too picky and Mariah's like oh my mom always says that but when she reflects she's like actually my mother only ever said that one time when I was nine years old it just stuck with her yeah and her mother was like you'll never be married with your standard so high and like baby Mariah at age nine just kind of sat there and like in bed that night was thinking like the only unmarried women I know are like like this one local crazy woman and she just she's like I can't see myself getting married so like I'll be some poor pitiful creature and isn't that awful like I can't have if I can't be married I can't have any relationships or friendships because the way that our society is formed is around heterosexual heterosexual nuclear family and also even within that like oftentimes and possibly less so now I don't know neither of us are married Mm -hmm. but you often find that like particularly in tv shows and things a husband will have a group of friends that he meets up with regularly and the woman is just home with the kids and doesn't have like Who's Marge Simpson's friends? She has sisters, but... She has two sisters and they hate her husband. Yeah. The point stands, like, if you don't have... There... The the, the point I'm trying to make is, like, Mm -hmm. and a lot of times it can be... The idea can be planted that if you don't have a husband and children, Mm -hmm. you have no friends at all. Because... Because the the heart of your relationships are meant to be in the home. Yeah. And as a woman, you are meant to be in the home. And yeah. yeah. And like you only meet other women when you bring your children to play. And then you talk about your husbands and your children. Like Mm -hmm. you don't have any true friendships. Yeah. I'm trying to find a bit now. This is before she realizes that Yale and Ruth are a couple. She's like... She's cut off all her hair. She's wearing docks. And she's like, you know what? Maybe it's fine if I don't get married. I'm just going to have one of these basement flats in Dublin. And I'm going to I'm gonna have a cat. I'm going to close the door on the world. I'm going to listen to music. I can just live my life. And that's the thing that she thinks of first before she even vaguely realises she might be attracted to women. It's just... Yeah, I see that. I just feel like the narratives of realising you're queer are so often that actually realising you're into women can be kind of the last thing. Like, 
first you identify with lots of other people who are and you realize that you really like non-gender conforming things or maybe you do like them but you experiment with being non-gender conforming because for some reason you feel like you should it's a lesbian trope all right yeah i just it's so wild to me that this book that was written before i was born has dragged me <laughs> this much i've i've got a group chat with a bunch of my lesbian friends and i'm just i i spent a lot of the last week sending them quotes for this and them like mocking me like wow this book really is just you right sidelight highlights okay highlights i didn't really dwell on super much but you might have gotten from how much i just kept picking bits out to read the language is really really beautiful in this i also feel like the characters are really sharp and clear like very well defined and it might mm. be because like i said this is a world that i recognize very easily but so it doesn't take a lot of world building yeah for me to like immediately recognize them but even like yvonne and galway they're just very real and rich um mariah's quite funny as well very bantery the low light is definitely the cheating i would say yale in general is like she's a character that i can empathize with and she never pretends to be anything she's not but there's just a lot of boundary transgressing in their little household that i don't mm -hmm. love you know you shouldn't masturbate in your friend's wardrobe yeah hot tip definitely not without asking them first actually yeah life hack don't do anything in your friend's living space that you wouldn't tell them that you did but I get you. <laughs> yeah, don't do not do a thing in your friend's space if you think they would be uncomfortable with it. And if you're not sure, ask before you do it, please. It is an unusual friend who would be like, yeah, touch my clothes and have a wank. It's fine. Kira's <laughs> unhappy with my phrasing. You better mark this episode explicit. I'm not sure if I can do that. <laughs> you have to. We talk about wanking. If you don't mark it as explicit, mm -hmm. it's supposed to be PG. That's true. Sidelights. I'd say maybe the characters are my sidelights because they're what stick with me. Like the language is gorgeous, but it's just the the characters being very funny and very Irish. That's good. Oh, the Irishness of it. Mm. That was one of my favorite things about Tuesdays are just as bad. It's just like the relatable Irishness of it because there are so few relatable Irish books. Mm. You know what another sidelight is? At one point they call Yale Yellow Sunburine. I hate it. And sometimes she introduces herself to a room by going, Yellow. I hate it, but that is very queer. It is very <laughs> queer and very good. Um, very relatable content. Yeah, so that was our second Pride book, Stir Fry by Emma Donahue. I really recommend you check out some of her other works. They're uh, different. This episode is coming out just a couple of days before Dublin Pride. Mm -hmm. So we wish all of you happy marching, if you're about and are marching. Bring water, please. And sun cream. Yeah. Water and sun cream. Have a safe and happy Pride. We will be back on the 7th of July. And our July theme is kind of apocalyptic books. I'll be reading The Quiet at the End of the World, which also features queer characters. The main main character, she's a bi lady. And there's also another bi lady and a trans man. 
Very nice. As secondary characters. Mm -hmm. It's great. And then I will, of course, be back on the 21st. I will also be reading an apocalypse book, but you don't need to know about that yet. All right. Check out our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash foreveryapod. And follow us on Twitter to tell us if you've read the book, if you like the book, and just drag us for how queer we are. My final word on this book is that it's the feeling of when you have gay friends. <laughs> and it's like, you don't even need to explain things because they just like get it and you can be like, right? And they're like, right! And the whole conversation is just both of you saying, I know, right? It keeps being things that you never thought were R- relatable. relatable. So yeah, amazing book. I would recommend it to... Dublin Gays. Dublin gays, gays in general. Um, but that has been us. Poor Kira is rubbing her eyes because she is very old and very tired. I was working with toddlers this morning. They were loud at 10 a.m. Mm, I'm very sorry, my friend. Catch us again. We will be back two weeks' time. Bye. Bye. and you're still here i think you want to follow us on twitter yeah you can find us there at forever ya pod and on instagram at forever ya pod you can also email us at forever ya pod and if you really really like what you're hearing you can contribute to our patreon which you can find at forever ya pod also don't forget to like and subscribe also if you are listening on itunes please leave us a review we love you talk to you in two weeks Bye.